0: Good morning, Impact. You know, Scripture says that he inhabit, God will inhabit the praises of His people, and I could see that so clearly in this service. I don't know if I've ever heard you guys actually singing that much. You sound good. There's some people that might be able to join the worship team out there. Quit hiding. We need you. One of the first realities of life that most of us learns in life is this. Ready? Grip it. Grip the seats, here it comes. Uh, here's the first thing that we learned, gang life's not fair, right? Life's not fair. A two year old uh, learns this when another two year old comes along and they have their little doll or their little toy, and a two year old comes along and goes, Mine. Rips it out of their hand and goes, Take off as though that other two year old's not even there. Life's not fair. Uh, an elementary student who wants to play dodgeball, I remember when I first saw that game, man, I loved it, but what if you wanted to play dodgeball and you're looking longingly, and so you go, I want to play, and they're choosing up teams, and they're done, and they go to play, but you didn't get picked. I, that's not fair. In the first service, people are like, Pastor Robert, are these all your stories? No, that's not my story. Dodgeball. There's stories that are somebody else's. All right, and you'll know it by this one. A little girl looks in the mirror, okay, I'm not a girl, and wonders why she isn't as pretty as her friend. Why people go on and on about her friend being so pretty, and she looks and she goes, why? I mean, that's not fair. Fifth grade boy tries his best to focus on his test. His parents have told him he's going to be a lot of trophy. He doesn't pass this class, and he's up till midnight just trying to get it in his head in math while he's got friends that don't study at all. they get straight A's. That just doesn't seem fair. Get to high school, maybe somebody, you know, you got some friends that letter in all three sports, you know, they, can, they play football, they play soccer, they, I mean, they play, well, I guess you wouldn't play both because they're at the same time on that one, baseball, winter track, basketball, everything, and you try out for every sport, trying to find your niche, and you get cut from every team. That's just not fair. You get older, you study, you go to school, you major in a certain area, this is what you were made for, and you've gone for this job over and over, and they never pick you. What's up with that? That's not fair. Uh. You're doing pretty good. In fact, you've built a nice life for yourself. Your accountant manages your money. Only they mismanage your money. You find out you owe a lot of back taxes, and it's really going to eat your lunch. It's going to wipe you out. Well, that's his fault, not mine. That's not fair. And we could go on and on, but did you get the key there? Let's see if you did. Life's not. All right, you guys are sharp. I did that in the first service. I was, life's not, and they're like. Should we go back over that? Or did you? Not, life's not fair, or is it? Now, I want you to repeat after me. Can you do this? You guys seem sharp. Ready? Life's not fair, life's not fair. Or, or is it? it is. Can you do it with enthusiasm, just, just, just for me? All right, let's do it again. Life's not fair, life's not fair. or, or is, it? is it? Yeah, that was way better. That almost made me weep, it was so good. Maybe that crushing weight that you and I feel when we go through something and we just you know we we think I'm hurting right now because life's not fair, but I'm just a theory. Maybe that crushing weight that we feel is really because we know deep down inside that life is fair, that it's fair, and that what's happening to us is absolutely what we deserve. That life is fair. God created us, for example, with glorified bodies, Adam and Eve, put them in paradise, put them in a garden. Gave them no rules, basically. One thing they couldn't do. One thing. You got all this great food, all these trees, all this incredible fruit, which we don't even have today what they had. It's paradise. Hey, that one tree right there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat it. You know, Satan later went to them and said, didn't God say you couldn't touch that? No, he didn't even say that. He didn't even say you couldn't touch. He just said, don't eat it. One rule, they break it. So they break it. You choose to disobey, it's paradise lost. Guess what? That's fair, because that was the deal. God warned them. When you hurt others, even if it's accidentally, or when you hurt others on purpose, certainly if somebody murders somebody and then they go to prison for it, that's that's what happens. That's fair. In fact, we learn in Scripture that sin equals death, so death is fair because we're all sinners. I know for some of you that's a leap. But stay with me. What's not fair, gang, the more I look at it, what's not fair but incredibly gracious is that even though we don't deserve to be rescued, here we are in the garden starting with Adam and Eve, and Satan comes and says, hey, this place is pretty cool, right? By the way, this is my version. This is my paraphrase. And they're going, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like paradise, right? Yeah, it could be better. Really? Oh, yeah, this is is a five. There's an eight on a scale of one to ten, maybe even a ten waiting for you. Where is it? God doesn't want you to have it. Why not? He's holding out on you. Really? Yeah, he's not fair. In fact, you can actually be like him. Really? Yeah, just blow him off and follow me. And you could be your own gods. And so they choose it, and they choose to go that route. Well, guess what? It's fair when it's paradise lost. One rule, that's all that they had. And yet, we walk away, and we tell God, no, I'm going to go my own way. I want nothing. And you know what he does? He goes, no, you don't know where that's going. That's off an eternal cliff. I'm coming after you. And he comes after us to rescue us? That's that's not fair. God sent Jesus on a rescue mission. Guess what? That's not fair. That Jesus would have to do that? How's that fair? Even though we don't deserve to be loved, guess what? God loves us. By the way, you know why you love at all? Because He first loved you. Otherwise, you wouldn't know what love is. That, That doesn't seem fair. And even though we don't deserve to be forgiven for all we do, God forgives us. That's not fair. In fact, Scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know how, you know, let me just tell you about that little word, yet. When Jesus was beaten beyond recognition, a crown of thorns is shoved in his head. He's nailed to the cross. He's bleeding out for us. People are making fun of him down below at the foot of the cross. They're gambling for his garments. They're pointing at him. They're saying, you're the son of God. Come. They're insulting him, and he's forgiving them right there. That's what it means to say, while we were yet sinners. In other words, while we're right in the middle of sinning, He's in the process of forgiving us. That's not fair. That's not fair. Even though we deserve hell, God offers heaven a way to, to live with him in paradise. It's not fair. And even though we have marred the image of God, because when we were created and put in the garden, when Adam and Eve were there, they had glorified bodies. They're made so beautifully in the image of God. And then they marred it. That's what sin did. It messed it up. And now it's, it's like we're, we're just a shadow of what we're supposed to be. Even, so even though we marred it and it's our fault, God offers to Take this life and begin right now through sanctification to restore that image and make us like him. Even though we walked away, God walks after us. Even though we said, I'd rather be an orphan, I think. I'm not sure what that is, but I'll go my own. God says, I'll adopt you back. Once you go far enough down that road and you realize it's not a good road, I'll, I'll take you back. I'll adopt you as a son. I'll adopt you as a daughter. So though none of us deserves any of this awesome stuff, God offers it. So here's my question for you this morning why why certainly not because we deserve it and i could give you the pat answer i could say because god is love and god is grace and god is mercy and god is and then you could all leave but i don't think that would hit home and i don't think that would change much because we don't understand his level of love how do you know pastor? Ron? because if we did we would be ever grateful and Thanksgiving wouldn't be one time a year where we try real hard to be thankful. We'd be thankful all the time because that's a direct outcome of understanding who he is and what he's done. So let me tell you where we have it wrong, and we're gonna conduct a little experiment this morning about why God does all these good things for believers, and if you get this, it can be life-changing. So here's where we have it wrong. We're much like the workers in Matthew 20. So if you brought your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. If you don't have them, you can follow along on the screen. Or or listen as I read. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, okay, so he sets this deal. You work for me this whole day, I'll give you a denarius, which is a day's wage. Then he sent him off to work in the vineyard. And going about the third hour, okay, so it's about 9 o'clock now, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too and whatever's right, I'll give you. Okay, so things have changed, right? First group, he made a total contract with them. I will pay you a day's wage, one denarius, a fair day's wage. Second group, he goes, you go work too. What are you gonna give us? Whatever's fair. Some of your Bibles might say, I'll, I'll do what's fair. I'll do what's Right? So they went, going out again about the sixth hour, so now we're at like noon, and the ninth hour, then three o'clock. He did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. He said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. So he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. Wait, where's the denarius? Where's the half a denarius? Where's the what's fair? What did he say to them? Yeah, go out in the vineyard. Excuse me, I'm not going to go out in the vineyard until we make some good. Just go out in the vineyard. Who knows what might happen? If they had heard of him and his character, they know what would happen. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers back and pay them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. So this is really weird. He's going to begin with the people who only worked one hour, pay them first, and then work your way back up to the first laborers. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. So they got a full day's wage for working for one hour. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. So they're pretty stoked, wouldn't you? I worked eight hours. That guy just got a denarius. He's working his way back to us. I mean, what are we going to get? We're going to get like a week's pay for one day? This is awesome. And that's what we're going to get because that would be fair, right? I was hoping for more of a response to that because that would be what? Wouldn't it? Yeah, you know that. I feel the same way. Sure, that's what's fair. They thought they'd receive more, but each of them received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled. They complained. They moaned. They were anything but thankful. They grumbled at the master of the house, in other words, God, saying, these last, they only worked an hour, and you've made them equal to us. Now, remember that line because that's the key of the whole parable. And you've made them equal to us because that reveals something about their hearts equal to us who have borne the burden of the whole day and the scorching heat we work. And he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me? Didn't we have a contract? Didn't we agree for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first. Here's how it works. And the first will be last. Two surprises here. Man, we could spend a whole month probably on this parable, but I want to give you a couple things today in light of where we're going. One, that line says a lot about their hearts. I mean, look at it in a modern sense. You look to take over a company. You've been working for a good, good friend, and he's been grooming you. And he's even sort of hinted, as far as you're concerned, for 20 years. You started when you were 20. This guy's 65 now. He's going to retire. You're 40 years old. You're excited. We're having a meeting. He's going to give the company away, and it's going to be you. And there's another guy that's been working there about a year, and he's 30 years old, and he's okay. He does pretty good. And he makes the announcement that the 30-year-old is getting the company. And you freak out because that's not fair. it's not right. It's not fair, is it? How does that work? We don't like this. We think it's not fair. I read this when I was probably 11, 12, and I thought, this parable got there my mistake. This is something wrong. One of the scribes put this in or something. This is not fair. So we're not thankful. Far from it. We would grumble if we saw that, which is the opposite, by the way, of being thankful. The heart of the complaint and the grumbling in this story is that little phrase, you made them equal to us, which reveals a lot about the heart. Because what he's saying is, oh, you're all equal. You really want what you deserve? You don't deserve to work at all. You deserve help. I'm giving people something good, and can't I give it out the way I want? So we're really messed up in our thinking here. Here's another thing that this exposes. We root for the wrong side. You know why Jesus told this story? It's because he knew they, kind of the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and we would root for the wrong side. Instinctively, we would. Now, I'm including me too, and how do I know that you would too? Because we read this and immediately you thought that's not fair. So we would. It doesn't seem fair the way we think. So let me say something critical here. When we grumble, our problem at that point is not what we might think. Our problem is not with the other workers. Our problem's not with the 30 year old that got brought in. We're not like, what, who is he? Our problem's really with the master. Our problem's really with God. When we see that happen, our problem, we're saying something, revealing something about God. And this owner said, are you envious because I'm generous? Ouch, how convicting that is. Are, You seem envious. Are you envious about them? I don't think so. Are you envious because I was, because I showed generosity to all of them? Yes. Why? Because I'm better than them. Because I deserve that. Because I, 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 and they don't. Because if that's our thinking, and that's most of our thinking, we're in a really dangerous place. And by the way, if that's your thinking and your foundation, you, and you wonder why you're not grateful as a person, you can't get there, from there. You know, God does not look at, uh, the way we imagine God, it's really comical if you think about it, and it's really ludicrous. God does not look at people and go, wow, I mean, that guy really athletic. Forgot all about him. Make sure he gets a million-dollar contract in the NFL. He deserves it. So he's pretty good. That, that girl, I, I, made, I formed her while well, she's a beauty queen. Make sure she wins Miss America because she deserves it. Because I forgot how, how beautiful she was. I forgot, hey, that guy, and his IQ is higher than Einstein. Make sure he gets a full ride to MIT. Make sure he has his own company because he's impressed me. I mean, you know how ludicrous that is? God made them. He's aware of the athletic ability. He's aware of the intelligence. He's aware of the beauty. He put it there. And that's why we can't earn anything or get his approval or get his gifts based on what we go. Look how smart I am. I know how smart you are. I put it there. Look how athletic I am. I know how athletic you are. I put it there. So how do you know who you're grateful to? What's your attitude? Let's take the athletics. What do you do when you hit the end zone? Do you do a little dance designed to bring more glory to yourself? Or do you Tebow? What do you do? What's it about? And forget just the NFL end zone dance. In life, what's your life's dance? To point to you, I earned this. I deserve this. I'm better than them. Let's get it right. Let's do what's fair. I love these little thankful chairs that we sat in. You know what mine was? Somebody's like, I don't care. No. Do you want to know what mine is? Yeah. I'm gonna tell you what it is. Mine is I am so grateful, God, so thankful that you are not fair. Some of you are going, what's wrong with him? Why wouldn't he be? No, I am so thankful that he's not fair. Because if he was fair, I'm doomed. If he's fair, I'm done for, and so are you. But if you don't get that, if you are arrogant enough, if we are prideful enough to go, I want what I deserve, oh, please don't ever say that to God. Please don't ever imagine that you're going to get to heaven and stand before him and go, God, I just want to say one thing, give me what I got coming to me. Please don't do that. Don't even plan that. It takes an eternity to pay that back. You want to say, God, please be unfair to me. Please be unfair to me. In fact, there's nothing we can offer God as a bribe for his favor. So this message is called, Blessed to be a Blessing. Why does God bless us in so many ways? Well, I'm going to take a look at some examples real quick. We're going to take a look at them together, and we're going to sear it into our minds, and hopefully it'll change how we approach life, especially, at least, Thanksgiving. Here's the first one. Example number one, comfort. Raise your hand if you've ever been comforted or comfortable. Comfortable. Wow, the same thing happened in the first service. Like half the people raised their hand. What's wrong with the rest of you? Some of you going, I never lived on a beach in Hawaii and have servants serve me and feed me grapes and all that. I didn't say that. I said, raise your hand if you've ever been comfortable. So let me clarify for those of you that are boo-hooing right now. Have you ever had a lazy day eating buffalo wings and watching football? Oh, a couple more hands went up on that one. Some of you like, no. It's like, you'll do it today. You're going to do it today. It's been a week since you did it last time. Have you ever slept a couple hours? Have you ever slept 10 minutes in a hammock on a vacation with time to kill? Ever. Then you've been comfortable. You ever taken a walk on the beach with a loved one? Period. Then you've been comfortable. You ever have a nice dinner at a favorite restaurant? Then you've been com- Raise your hand if any of those apply. Okay. There's still some hands that are down. Here's how I know you're a liar. That last one, ever had dinner at a favorite restaurant? No. Then how did it get to be a favorite? (laughs) You've been there before. You've been covered. Everybody's had a comfortable time. I don't care if you've had the worst life. You've been made comfortable at some point. What I just said pretty much covers everyone. So here's my question for you. Did you thank God? No. Why not? Because I earned that. Did you? Because I deserve that. I work hard. I deserve some comfort. I bought this. I deserve that. I deserve this car. I deserve whatever. Do you? You earned that, did you? Just because you're you. (laughs) I read about one of the most bizarre soccer games the other day that I've ever seen in my life. Everyone got red carded. You ever seen a game like it? What do you mean everyone? By everyone, I mean everyone on the field, every player on the bench, Every substitute, everyone. Thirty-six players, I got it right here, including both teams and substitutes, were sent off during a Paraguayan Junior League football match that ended in Mayhem. In the last five minutes of the game, referee Nestor Gillian handed out two red cards, one to a player from each team, but the pair because they were fighting, but the pair ignored him and continued pummeling each other on the field. All right. In a matter of seconds, the clash spun out of control involving players from both teams and all the replacement players. So they, the bench is just empty and everybody is fighting. Rather than trying to end the brawl, the match officials ran off the field in fear. <laughs> I get a kick out of that. <laughs> Apparently, I'm alone. Rather than trying to end the brawl, they just left. So the fight just goes on. It's a giant boxing match. For this reason, Hernan Martinez, president of the home club, Tiente Farina, How was that? Was that good? (laughs) Believes they had no other option but to dismiss all 36 players with a red card since the official referees didn't stay around to identify the original two culprits. Visiting Libertad Club President Sixto Nunes said he thought the referees had shirked their duties in fleeing the scene. All right, so keep that bizarre thing. We'll get back to that. Here's what the Bible says about what we all deserve. This says a lot of things. I'll give you a quick short one. Romans six twenty three, the first part. The wages of sin, the payment, the paycheck, what you deserve, the wages for sin is death. What do we deserve for sin? Eternal death, separation. That's what that is. Some of you are going, well, I don't deserve that. Are you a sinner? No. Are you struggling with that really? Listen, raise your hand if you're married. Let me see the married couple. All right, if anybody thinks they're not a sinner, nudge that person next to you and ask them, am I, honey, am I a sinner? They will probably help you get over yourself. Bottom line, gang, I can relate to this. So let me put it another way. We all deserve a red card. We all deserve a red card. And the Bible says that we all, every single one of us deserve to be red carded too. That's not exactly what it says, but hang with me. In the game of life, we've all done wrong. We've all ignored God. We haven't played the game as it should be played. Romans 3, Romans 3 puts it like this. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. No one seeks God. All have turned away. They have all together become worthless. By the way, what's a key word here? All. There's no one who does good, not even one, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's not as if God is like the referee, right? I mean, he doesn't declare all of us wrong while he runs off the field in fear. They're going to get me. They're getting out of control down there. They built the big, bad tower of Babel. God doesn't shirk his duties. No, God's not afraid of us, and he doesn't run away from us. In fact, when all are sinners and all are in the midst of our sins, he runs towards us. I can't think of anything more proving of that or any greater evidence of that than what they were doing. Raise your hand if you've ever seen The Passion of the Christ. Anybody seen that? It's a tough movie to watch, but you've seen it. Then when he's on the cross, showing his love and thinking, look what they're doing. I mean, even if you don't believe, how do you get that cold? Hey, roll the dice. I want the purple robe. He's, I'm thinking, how could you be that cruel to a criminal? Let alone the Son of God who's doing it out of love. And while they're doing that, he isn't even thinking of not going through with this mission. He loves them. So he runs towards us in the person of Jesus. God came to us to save us from sin and rebellion. So we're not getting what we deserve, which is death. As far as the punishment we deserve, on the cross Jesus was red carded for us with the penalty of death so that we could keep on playing in the game of life and even play on for eternity for those who trust and follow him. Check out some more of Romans 3. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We sin, God saves. We fall, God picks us up. In return for our rebellion, God gives us mercy and grace. So we get this unbelievably undeserved good stuff and we don't get the bad stuff that we absolutely deserve. Jesus redeems us from our sin, declaring us righteous, and restores us in our relationship with God. That puts God in a league of his own. So why then does God comfort us? Because I asked you to raise your hands if you've ever been comfortable. Everybody agreed. took a while to get some of you there, but you all agreed. You've been comfortable. Why? Why does God even allow you a moment's comfort? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The answer's right there. And it's so blunt, I don't know why anybody asked this question. It's right here if you want to know. Now, either you're turning mechanically, you have it memorized, or you're not listening to me. Turn to 2 Corinthians. I should hear pages turning. Some of you are like, Pastor Rob. We have iPads now. We don't turn pages. Here it is. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Paul writing to the dysfunctional church in Corinth. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be so that in order to, here's the reason, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with a comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So we are not comforted just to be comfortable. Do you know what this does to certain doctrines? I hate to say it, but no, I don't hate to say it. But when people see, you know, the sign that you are blessed by God, here's why God blesses you. He's showing he loves you. He wants you to be totally comfortable. He wants to set you up. He wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous, and that's the goal and the proof for every Christian everywhere. Well, if that's the goal and the proof for every Christian everywhere, then all 12 disciples were failures, right? They all got martyred except John, who got banished to an island. That means the deepest, richest Christians of all time didn't get it right, but we do. We do. That can't be the goal. King, that would be heaven on earth. And heaven is in heaven. Last time I checked. Heaven awaits those who love him and trust them, but this isn't heaven. And we're not really supposed to turn it into that. That's why comfort down here in the midst of our pain and affliction is such a gift. But it isn't given to you and me just to make us comfortable. That would be pointless, right? pointless. It's given to us so that we can take that comfort when we are hurting that feels so good and see somebody else hurting and give it away because we're like Jesus when we do that. We're comforted to comfort. Next thing, God shows us mercy. He shows us mercy that we would be merciful. He shows us mercy that we would be merciful. I think sometimes much of the anger and bitterness that Many people have toward God can be attributed to a wrong estimation of ourselves and a wrong idea of fairness. As we just seen, because we're all sinners, what's fair is for God to say, you don't want to live life with me, you don't care about me, you want to go your own way, go. That's fair. We just, we just saw that. You all agree. If we want to say our whole life to God, my will be done, instead of thy will be done, then in the end, he'll say to us, thy will be done. You didn't want to be with me, so spend eternity without me. So we should be thankful that God is not. We're right when we estimate that God's not fair. It's just our idea of fairness is a little wrong. He's not fair. Thank God he's not fair. Mercy, that equals not getting what we deserve. Not because of any merit, obviously, because we deserve hell. We deserve the punishment for things we've done. It's so that we could learn to be more like God in showing mercy to others. Let me tell you the parable of the unmerciful servant. And maybe this will hit home. Matthew 18, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. A talent was like another way of saying a, a day's wage. That's a lot of money. So this is three and a half years wage here. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Please be patient with me. He begged. I'll pay you back everything. And the servant's master looked at him and took pity on him. And let me just add this. And had mercy on him and canceled the debt. Canceled the debt. And let him go. Skip down to verse 28, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, because it's a whole lot less, and he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. Now, he went out, so he's got this whole thing before the king. He's been on his knees. He's been forgiven. Amazing. He's been shown mercy like nothing he's ever even heard of. He walks out the door, walks down the street, meets someone who owes him just a tiny fraction of that, and starts choking him to death for it. What do you think? Did he get the lesson? We are shown mercy to show mercy. He was shown mercy. Did he show mercy? No, it it swung right over his head. He didn't get it. There's no hope for this guy. There's not going to be a more powerful lesson than that. He grabbed him. Pay back what you owe. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him. Be patient with me. I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Well, other servants saw this and they reported it to the master. Verse 32, then the master called the servant back in. You wicked servant. He said, I canceled all your debt because you begged me to. I had mercy on you. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And he burned in anger against him. Why was the master, i.e. God, so angry with his servant? Because he didn't take the mercy he received and pass it along. It's kind of the pay it forward thing. Why do you think I did that to you? I don't know, so I can see how cool mercy is? No. So that you could be merciful. There's a lot of people who have done you wrong in your life. There is, God, and I want to talk to you about This isn't about that. How are you treating them? Bad. How about you treat them like I just treated you? And then you will be more like me. Could that be what God's after? What do you think? Number three, God shows us grace that we may be gracious to others. So People often get grace and mercy confused. So let me wrap, let me me clear that up for you. Mercy, not getting what you deserve. Grace, getting what you don't deserve. Say that again, Pastor. Mercy, not getting what you deserve. Grace, getting what you don't deserve. One thing that they both have in common, grace and mercy, they're both patently unfair in our way of thinking. If we deserve something, we feel like, well, I should get it then. I deserve this. And if you don't deserve something, then you shouldn't expect it. That's the way we've all been taught. But Jesus turns this thinking on its ear when he says, I won't give you the punishment you deserve, but I'll give you the grace you don't deserve. So again, please don't miss this, people. Why? that we would learn to show unmerited favor to others. That's what grace is. Here's a scripture I wanted to throw in there for mercy. Remember this in the Beatitudes. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. If you want more mercy in your life, show it. If you want more blessing in your life, show it. If you want more love in your life, show it. If you want more forgiveness, show it. Number four, forgiveness. God forgives so that we'll forgive others. By the way, forgiveness is a commandment. Some of you don't realize that. Some of you think it's a suggestion. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one one another, tenderhearted, forgive one another as Christ forgave you. But why? Because we didn't deserve it, yet Christ offers it. Listen, but why? Again, we didn't deserve it, yet Christ offers it. We didn't deserve it. So who are we to start doling out forgiveness, gang? Then stay with me. Don't let anything distract you. Then who are we to start going to our friends when he offers us forgiveness we don't deserve? Who in the world are we to go to our friends and go, listen, I've got a sheet on you. And I'm adding it up. And remember when Jesus said 70 times seven? Not you. You're out. I don't forgive you. I never will. Hey, your brother, are you going to forgive him? No, never. Why not? You don't know how he treated me. No, I don't. I know how you treated God, though. Probably the same way I did. In my sins, we don't deserve it. And you don't offer forgiveness to others based on whether they earned it or not. They didn't, they don't deserve it. Case closed. You still give it, you're commanded to. None of us deserve it, gang. Don't you get it? That's what makes forgiveness so powerful that we don't deserve it. That's why it's a powerful thing, offering something to somebody who desperately can't get it any other way. Also, we're seldom more like Jesus than when we are loving and forgiving. And we are seldom less like him than, we were, than when we're unforgiving. Matthew six fifteen says, But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Final one, and then we're done. And by the way, probably in your heart, some of you are like, I'm with you so far. You'll not be with me now. Here's the seventh one. God is generous so that we would be generous. I knew it. I knew it. What are we... 35 minutes into the message, you'll probably take another 40 on this, huh, Pastor? No, it's about five minutes. It's about the offering isn't it. No, it's about the character. It's about the things God offers for a purpose. It's about the things God does for us for a purpose. But what's the purpose? Why in the world would God be generous to you and me? Why? Well, that's easy, Pastor, because I'm pretty impressive. You are? Yes. Hadn't you noticed? No. Yeah, God looks at me, likes me a lot. I've been taught that. It's like, who's the guy on Saturday Night Live? John Handy? And I forget what he used to say. And I'm I'm a good person and, and what does he say? Anybody? Jack Handy? You know what? That's just scary. (laughs) That's right. Doggone it. People like me. We treat God like that, and God likes me because I'm smart enough, I'm good enough, and perfect. Thank you, because I had a blank out there. Why is God generous to me? Well, because I'm good enough, and I'm smart enough, and I'm pretty enough, and I deserve it, and it's what's fair. Completely wrong. If you're a believer here this morning, the reason, the only reason God is generous to you and gives to you is that you would learn to reflect him and show the world what he's like by being generous to them. That's the only reason. But I've met, people think that they're gonna be more generous and more giving the more money they make. You know, there isn't a statistic in the world that supports that. You know who the most, the highest tithing, the biggest givers to any church anywhere in all of America are? The poorest people in the church. They give so much. And the more they make, the more they hold on to it. It doesn't get easier, it gets harder. Because our mindset is wrong. Even though God himself, who doesn't need our money at all, goes, you know what? Give me a little piece of it. No. But I gave it to you. I don't care. I feel like when our kids are little and we buy them something like their favorite treat. Here's everybody. Here's some M&Ms for you. I'm like, oh, man, I forgot to get mine. Hey, Nathan, can I have some M&Ms? No, they're mine. No, they're not. I just bought them for you. But you bought them for me. Not for you. They're mine. But you don't get Let me explain, Nathan. I'm bigger than you as your dad. You're five years old. If I want those M&M's, I can beat you up and take them back. (laughs) Oh, but maybe you want to share them because in the future I'll buy you more M&M's. Or you could be selfish and never get M&M's. And we're kind of like a little kid who now that they've been given by dad are going to clutch on real tight. Something backfired there. Something went wrong. God is generous to us that we may become generous. And we are never more like God than when we give. For God so loved the world that he gave. And he didn't give leftovers. God didn't look back and go, oh, they're messed up down there. They need a little something, something. Who's the lowest rank angel? Gabriel got a cousin or something that's useless around here, takes out the trash? Send him. I mean, we won't miss him. There's billions of you. No, he, they couldn't do it anyway. Only his son could pay the price. That which means the most to God the Father. So he doesn't, Give cheaply or leftovers, his first and only begotten son, he gives. So we're never more like God than when we're generous. A stingy, And we're never less like God than when we're selfish and cling. A stingy love isn't love. A selfish love isn't love. An envious love isn't love at all. Love and generosity go hand in hand. Luke 6.38 says, given it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put in your lap. For with the measure that you use it, it'll be measured back to you. Again, third time. We are never more like Jesus than when we give. When we give blankets like we're given. When we give turn, toys for turnaround toys. When we give in the tithe and offering. When we give on a mission trip. When we go on a mission trip. When we use our talents. When we use our gifts. We are being a little Christ to the world. Do you know what Christian means? Do you want to know? Christian means little Jesus. Little Christ. So when you as believers go out in the world, you're supposed to be a little reflection of Him. Are you? Not if you're ungrateful. Not if you're unthankful. Now, this whole thing was about Thanksgiving. In just a few days, we're going to have this holiday about being thankful. It's crazy, really. And what will you do? That's easy, Pastor. Eat turkey. Watch football. Catch up with the family. Avoid weird old Uncle Harry. Every year, got to do that. Have some pumpkin pie. I think that about covers it. Some of you are like, I don't know about him. Me, I plan on being thankful for all the good things in my life. Don't. What? I thought that's where, what you... Don't. Don't be thankful for. That's a mistake. I mean, yeah, you, can, you can watch the Grammy Awards or Oscars and everything. And what do these people who don't know God get up there and do? I just want y'all to know I'm, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for, I mean, to who? You? Are you, are you, are you telling the stuff you're thankful? I'm thankful for my crib. Thanks, crib. It's, it's a house, it can't give itself to you. So don't be thankful for, be thankful to. And when this gratitude begins to, to develop in you, understand something. If you are not thankful, that means all these things he's been doing in your life have backfired. He's comforted you, but you never understood that that's so you'd comfort others. He's shown you grace, but you've not understood that's so you'll be gracious to others. He showed you mercy, but it backfired, misfired, and you're not merciful. And so today, as you sit there and you realize, why am I not thankful? Because the things that God's done for you, you don't realize he's being unfair because he loves you. Praise God that he's unfair. He's just doing it because he loves you. But there's another purpose. It's to mold you into a little Christ that will do the same. Gang, some of you are the only Bible this world will ever see. Some of you are the only Bible this world will ever see. Are you a good reflection of Christ? As we prepare to give back to God, hopefully generously, and hopefully for this mission to blow up, I love what God's doing. 14 weeks, this is turning into a movement, but we can do a lot more. Let's give of our first fruits and see what God does with a little 10%. He'll blow away what we do with the 90% that we keep. And as we go into Thanksgiving, keep this chair mentality. Just for a week, try it. Keep the chair mentality. Before you pray, before you do anything in the morning, before you eat your breakfast, any of that, sit in the chair and thank God for the comfort he's given you, for the grace he's shown you, for the mercy, for the forgiveness, for the love, for all of it. And see if it doesn't transform you into a little Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. God, thank you that you are unfair to me. If you were fair, we'd be doomed. If you were fair, God, you'd be like the false gods we create in our image and make religions out of, Lord. You are ultimately very fair, but in your way, the real true fairness that we don't even understand, that we've marred and, and confused. So again, Lord, teach us that your fairness is beautiful. Change us. Make us a grateful people, Lord, so that we reflect you well in this world and on our mission to reach others for you. For it is in Jesus' name that we are thankful and pray. Amen.